not very long at all. I'm going to speak on um, I'm going to speak on love again. Surprise, surprise. That's what I've spoke on for the past year or so. For the four millionth time, I'm like a one-trick pony here. Um, maybe someday I'll preach again on something that hasn't got anything got to do with love. But maybe that'll only be the day when love ceases to be the most important thing in the world. Jesus effectively said it when he was asked, look, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing that, uh, that anyone's ever said about God or God's ever revealed himself? He said, what's the most important thing in the law and the prophets, all the revelation of God to man? He said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Framing love as the most important thing that, uh, that exists and uh, we've explored it. If, you, if you've been with us, if you're part of our church, if you listen on the podcast on libertychurch.ie, you can go back and see. We've explored this idea of love from every angle, that we're, we're loved by God. Hopefully, if you're here this morning and I ask you, you know the fact that you're, you're loved by God, that God's heart towards you this morning isn't, isn't, isn't one of judgment, is, is, is one of, of love. That The Bible tells us God loves the world. You're part of the world. You're part of his created order. So much that he sent his son into the world. Not to condemn it, but that through him that he might, you might be saved. God loves you. He loves you this morning. And then we looked at, a, at how look, our call is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah, that our call is to, to be agents of love out into the world, ambassadors of love, that as we're loved by God and as we love God, that then we're sent out into the world to, to love others. And we've looked at the commandments that Jesus gave to his disciples. And, and some of the things that he said were, were massively challenging. And what Jesus didn't do was give us a big list of, uh, of loads of things you need to do, loads of things you need to do, loads of things, all these things. Instead, what he, he said was things like, just look, love one another. In fact, when Paul talked about love, he, he, he basically said that all of this stuff stems from it. If we do all the religious stuff and all the stuff we think is right, but we don't have love, all we're doing is, uh, is making noise. And Jesus said, if, you want, if people are to know that you're followers of me, here's how they're going to know it, that you, that you love one another, okay? So I thought I had a good handle on all of this love stuff. And then, um, and then I was reading through the Gospel of John over the past month or so. I've been journeying through that Gospel and, uh, and the Lord just opened up a whole new aspect of it to me, right? And here's how he opened an aspect. Are you ever, are you ever reading? Do you ever just, um, are you ever driving and... Uh, and you realize after about 15 minutes that you don't remember the last 15 minutes of your driving. You've just kind of gone on autopilot. Like somehow your mind has just switched into something else and you can't remember, how did I get from here to there? Well, sometimes it's like that for me when I read the Bible, right? I read and then my head goes off somewhere else and I'm still reading, but before I know it, I'm halfway down the page and I couldn't tell you what the last, what the last bit had said, right? But something sticks out and snaps me out of it. And uh, I was reading through John. I've been trying to read a chapter a day and uh, I was in John chapter 15 and the thing that snapped me out out of it was this verse in verse 7 right that I read it said if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you now that snapped me out of me out of whatever distracted me because like that's a that sounds like a, an incredible promise doesn't it ask ask whatever you wish what are your wishes what are the things that you would what are the things that you would wish for what are the things you would like in your life what are the things you would you would hope for what are the things Maybe, like, from a greedy point of view, it sounds nearly like, like finding the magic lamp, yeah, but without the, without the three wishes limitation. It's like, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. So that kind of stopped me in my tracks, and I'm like, well, what does, what does that mean? Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Um, and when I read it, I read again that verse, and it was like, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. So 
there's God is opening up, Jesus is opening up this, this possibility that we could have this relationship with God in his, his full power to provide, in his full power to, to, to heal, in his full power to whatever it is that you need. But the condition on it is this, is that if you abide in me, then you can ask whatever you wish. So my obvious question is, I would love to be able to live with the Lord in that way, that I can ask whatever I wish and it'll be done for me. So what does it mean to abide in him? So I read the next verses, and the next verse says this, uh, verse 8 and 9, For uh, by this, next slide Malachi, For by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So this idea of abiding in Christ, whatever that means, has something got to do with abiding in his, in his love. God offers to do whatever we wish if we abide in him, and to abide in him means to abide in his love. And I started this kind of process, I was jotting down in my notebook, and I'm not making this up, it was like I kept asking each time I'd go to a different verse, the next verse, I'd come up with a question, and then each time I'd come up with a question, the next verse in line answered that question as we went down. It was like I engaged in this conversation with God, so I'm like, well, what does it mean to abide in your, in your love? There's that love word again, and he says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So God will do, ask whatever you wish if you abide in him. What's it mean to abide in him? It means to abide in his love. What's it mean to abide in his love? Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy uh, may be full. So keep his commandments. Guess what my next question was? Well, what are his commandments, right? If we're working our way back up, we want to get to the top. Verse 12, he answers that question straight away. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Next question. I'm not making this up. The next question in my mind was like, well, what does that look like to love one another the way that he has loved us? And he goes on, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is what love looks like. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, there's that promise again, whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you would love one another. So you have this, this pattern that just kind of sucked me in. It's like, whatever you ask, it's like there's a sandwich there. It opens with this, whatever you ask, in my name, the Father will do for you. Ask whatever you wish, and the Father will do for you. It's there at the beginning, it's there at the end. It's like the sandwich and the kind of delicious filling in the middle is explaining to us like what, what it actually looks like to live that relationship, where we can ask for whatever it is that's on our hearts in God's name and that he would do it for us. That we need to abide in him. To abide in him means to abide in his love. To abide in his love, what does that mean? It means to keep his commandments. What's his commandment? His commandment is the way that I've loved you, you need to love one another. What does that look like? Jesus laid down his life for us. And have you ever, I've read those verses loads of times, but has something ever just jumped out to you in a, in a new way that you never saw it before? And uh, the, the, the words that stuck out to me completely were the, these words, as I have loved you. You're meant to love one another. As I have loved you. See there, it's there at the end of verse 12, right in the middle. This is my commandment. You love one another as I have loved you. See, if we keep it kind of generic, right? If we keep it like God says, love him and love people. 
then it's like, like what do we measure it against? There's, it's like, uh, like, how do we measure how much love we have or the way that we love? Do I like, kind of tolerate people? There's a few people in my life who I love. There's a few people I'll sacrifice for. But what Jesus does in this is he, uh, he sets the metric for what it actually looks like to measure it. To see what, what does it actually look like? Are you keeping God's commandment to love one another? How do you know if you're loving people in the right way? Because you're meant to love them the way that Jesus has loved you. Now that's, that's mind-blowing if you think about it. Those of you who know Jesus here this morning, if I was to ask you, if we were to go around and, 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 and get each of you to share your story, share the testimony of the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God in your life, you would hear story after story of the ways that Jesus has impacted your life, yeah? I, I shared with you some of my story of how he's just been faithful day after day. That that's, what, that's what the love of Jesus in my life has looked like. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. At the toughest times in my life, I found him to be not worse than I thought he was, but even better than I thought he was. That, 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 that Jesus' love for me has been like extravagant, that it's consistent, that it's sacrificial, and we know the ultimate price of it, and he spells it out here. He's like, greater love has this than no man, that, that you lay down your life. And do you hear the challenge in that, guys? What it's saying is, Whatever it is that you know Jesus has been to you, that's what you're meant to be to other people. Not that you can be their savior. Yeah, there's a once-off thing that he did, but the, the way that he, he loved you, that's the scope to which you're meant to love other people. Like, is that not, is that not huge? Is that not like, that's like beyond just tolerating people, beyond just like, I'll have someone over for dinner, or, or, or like, I'll, I'll send someone a text every now and again. It's like, what did Jesus do? He laid down his life for people that he sacrificed on their behalf he sacrificed his life and so what he's saying in these verses if you think about it is he's saying this 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 promise is there whatever you can ask the father for whatever you wish in my name but he's saying when you love other people like i've loved you then you can ask me for anything that you wish and my father will do when you love people to the same extent, in the same manner, the same sense of sacrifice, the same sense of selflessness that, that, that Jesus had for you, when you love people in that way, then you can ask me for whatever I wish you wish and my Father will do it. Do you see what he's doing? Is He's like filtering out all of the selfishness stuff, all the stuff that grabbed my attention in the first verse. Like here's a load of things I want and I want to know how I can ask the Father and he'll give them all to me. All the greed because when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that he never did that. As I'm reading through the Gospel of John, you see just consistently Jesus' concern with the Father's glory. That he didn't do anything to glorify himself. And in fact, there's times when he did miracles that the times that he did them brought him nothing but grief. It made people want to, to kill him. Jesus did incredible things that we would love to be able to do. And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit are still available to us if we love people the way that he loves people. The way that he lived us. If we have a concern with the glory of the Father in the same way that he did. You see, by putting these conditions on it, you need to abide in me. You need to be intimate with me, meaning you need to know me in relationship. You need to know and experience my love. When you know and experience my love, when you abide in that, when you live in that, then you're able to follow my commandment, and my commandment is this, the love that you've experienced, you're meant to love each other in the exact same way. Jesus, in some of his last words, before he goes to be with the Father, he's like, look, a new commandment I give to, to you guys. Love one another. He knows. He's going. And he's like, you guys need to love each other. The way I walked with you, the way I was patient with you, the way I restored you, the way I called you out, the way I, the way I am, the way I was faithful to you, the way I didn't give up on you. 
that's the way I want you to be with one another. He connects this diverse group of people in his disciples. Yeah, they weren't all generic, all the same people with the same politics and the same outlook. There were different ages from different backgrounds with different political ideologies. And Jesus says, I want you guys to love each other the way that you've been, you've been loved by me. In the same way that I've loved you, you're to love one another. And I'm convinced that, um, that as we do this, as we engage with one another, that our prayers change. The things that we're going to ask God for change. And we stop asking God just for, for us. We stop asking God for our own stuff. And we begin to see with the eyes of God. And we begin to ask God for, for one another. We begin to pray for one another. Now the beauty of that, of being in a community that does that, is that if you can stay isolated, you can stay by yourself and make it just about me and God. Or you can try and do that. You can't read the New Testament and tell me that that's what church is meant to look like. Individualism in our culture says it's just about you and God, just about the prayer that you pray to God. And once you have your quiet time with the Lord every day, and you walk through your life like it doesn't matter what else you do. It's just about you and the Lord. You can't read the New Testament and see that. It says we're saved into a community. It says I've made your brothers and sisters he says here's the outworking of this stuff here's how people are going to know you follow me that you love each other assuming you're going to be in each other's lives you're going to walk with each other you're going to engage with each other that the 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 way that the bible that the the world is meant to see who jesus is is through his church and that's why it's such a huge commandment you have to love each other to this extent because the church isn't meant to be like a like an imitation of Jesus. It's not meant to be like a, a diet Jesus, like a Jesus light, small version of Jesus. No, the Bible tells the church is the way that Jesus wants to express the fullness of who he is to the world. So that means the fullness of his, of his love. When people look at how this group of people gathered in this room interact with one another, not just right now, but throughout our lives, there should be a reason to give glory to God. It should be a reason to say God must exist because he's united those people in that way. They care for one another beyond themselves. And the beauty of it that I began to say is that rather than just being you praying for yourself, now you have a family of people who are praying for you and you're praying for them. That it expands. It doesn't like, it's not like a sacrifice that, that you lose out on as you step into faith into that community and commit to that community of the church, which is God's bride. We said it over Maisie this morning that she is a brick, the Bible says, in the temple that God is building. We need her. She needs me and I need her. That God's united us together in his family. He's adopted both of us as his children and made us both part of the church that he's building up to express his glory to the world. And so we need one another. There was um, a guy called Anley Stanley said this, that the, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. I think I have it as a quote there, Malachi. If you go to the next slide. The primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. Like there's this, the second half of the Bible, the New Testament, just like it talks about Jesus, talks about how he establishes his church, how the early church went out. And then there's all these letters written to the church and they're all just concerned with Here's how to get on with one another. Here's how to forgive one another. Here's how to deal with stuff that's going on in each other's lives. Look, confess your sins to one another that you could be healed. Like, forgive one another. In humility, serve one another. Prefer one another. Don't take one another to court. In fact, if you look through the Bible, there's, uh, in the New Testament, there's 59 one another statements in there. He says, love one another repeatedly. Bear each other's burdens. There's 59 different times where there's like this idea of one another that Andy Stanley is right. The, 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 the church is meant to, to love one another. The primary activity of the church is one anothering one another. 
That's what God wants for his church. And if you read his word, that's what, uh, what he said he wants to do through it. And what I'd love to finish by doing, I said I'm only going to speak for a short time this morning, and that's true. What I'd love to finish to doing this morning is to read out his word. You know in Timothy it says this, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, right? Meaning like, here's the thing that's important to do in the church. Devote yourselves to reading out scripture out loud. Now why is that? Because the word of God is powerful. Like, I could probably say some things that inspire you. I can, like, you can look up some TED Talks or something on the internet that are going to get your mind working and all that sort of stuff. But the Word of God is something, is something completely different. That God has spoken. All I want to do is finish by reading out some of the Word of God, believing that it is what He has said it is. Here's what He says in Hebrews 4.12. He says, The Word of God is alive and it's active. Right? It's not just words on a page, but His Word is alive and it's active, that it's living today, and it would have an activity. What is that activity? It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to divide in soul and spirit, Hebrews says. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. What I'm trying to get at is that the most important words spoke here this morning are the words that God has spoken. And here's what, here's what I would love to do. And uh, I'd love to do this as, a, as an act of, uh, of faith, um, because that kind of community that I've talked about, that kind of way of loving one another, it's not something that comes natural. It's something that comes as we abide in him and abide in his love. It's something that God has to do. And here's what I'm hoping, what I'm believing this morning, that as we read out publicly, as we confess publicly what it is that God has said about how we should be united to one another, that the Holy Spirit would take that and he would use it uh, to actually unite us to one another. And to bring about that reality in their lives. Because I don't know how to do that. And if I just programmed a load of ways of get-togethers and all that sort of stuff and tried to create community. Look, the world does that in all sorts of ways. People hang out in the pub and hang out with one another. People hang out in gyms, hang out with one another. But the church needs to be something more than that. We need to be people who love one another the way that we've been loved by Jesus. So what I would love to do, guys, is to, uh, is to get you all involved, if you don't mind. Um, and we're going to read out these 59 one another's as a way of publicly reading out scripture and believing that that uh that god is true we're going to do this thing together and here's here's how i would like it to work is that we work it like a big game of snake right so i'll, I'll say the first one then marcus you go then darren kira roshan cross to andy back through this row back up this way one at a time yeah they're all numbered till we get to the back row and we finish with lorraine down there and then if there's more than 59 left i'll start again right and marcus you'll get a second go and andy and back up that way right so i want us to read these out but before we do let me pray lord um i commit these moments to you um and i ask that you would do through your word what you said you would do that it would be living it would be active it would be sharper than a double-edged sword this morning and as we read it out lord even in the context of welcoming this young baby into our church lord that um you would cause us to love one another to one another, one another, in uh, the way that you have said you would. Guys, I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. If you don't want to say one out loud, just elbow the person beside you in the ribs, right? And like, you can skip you and move on to them, right? And we won't draw any attention to you. Um, but uh, if somebody beside you is quiet and they don't want to do it, just the next person in the line, read one out loud together. So let me, uh, let me start, and Malachi will work through the slides as we go. So here's the 59, the first one. Be at peace with one another. Mark chapter 9, verse 50. 